Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Section 13 of The Wounded Name by D.K. Bronster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Eileen. Chapter 5, Part 4 7 But even as misfortune pursued the Reverend Dr. Primrose, pressing on him a fresh calamity in every chapter, so with Dr. Primrose's readers. The day of peace to which they were both looking forward, when a mark was next morning installed again under the pear tree, was rudely broken by the advent of a letter to Madame Allard from Jérôme, her older son, announcing his immediate return, ill. And Jérôme, there was no possibility of doubt, would instantly denounce Laurent's presence to the garrison at Arbelle. Oh, but not yours, surely, broke in Laurent when he heard this, thinking of Madeleine's devotion. Oh, it is true he would not find me a very profitable speculation, said Aimard dryly. But I do not choose to risk a second turning out at the hands of an imperialist. Madeleine has a plan for dispatching me to her brother-in-law at Port-Marie, about six miles away on the coast. And there's no need, however, for you to wait until I can be assured of a fresh shelter. I suggest that you hurry off at once, especially as the letter speaks of an imperial victory on the frontier. Jérôme may arrive today. Laurent sat down upon the grass. We go together, he said simply. Oh, tell me now about this brother-in-law. It appeared that Michel Royer was a fisherman of some means, and of royalist leanings, having been out in the war of ninety-nine. There was therefore reasonable hope that he would shelter them, and Jeannot had been sent on the farm mare with a letter to ask this favour. Laurent took it very philosophically, and there was nothing else to do, it seemed to him. And the coast, too, he observed. Here is the finger of Providence. Or was I not talking of returning by sea? But he could see that Aimard was not finding philosophy so easy. Who would, as weak as he? He lay back, frowning, looking very tired. Yes, he said, listlessly. You might find it convenient. Oh, but you, said Laurent, it is not good for you to be bundled about like this, and, moreover, it is not necessary. You ought to go home now to be nursed. You need so much care still. And Porte-Marie is in exactly the opposite direction from Cécigne, is it not? Aimard shut his eyes, 
"'Yes,' he answered, his voice grating a little. "'It is, but it may be very convenient for me also to be on the coast. "'When I'm a little stronger, I shall very likely leave France altogether.' Laurent stared at him, thunderstruck. The clean-cut, sensible mouth was set in a line that was half resolution, half pain. Oh, God in heaven, what did he mean by that? As he tried in one and in the same mental process to arrive at his inner meaning and to ward it off from him, the face, the chair, the background all rocked for a second before his sight. Oh, leave France altogether! he repeated, when he could find his voice. Aymar opened his eyes again, but he did not look at him. Yes, he said. Then he added, perhaps. And on that Madeleine, sniffing audibly, came hurrying over the grass in her heel-less shoes. 8. It was evening, saffron and sea-green, Jeannot had come back from Port-Marie with a letter. Michel Royer would receive the two gentlemen, but they must not arrive till dark, and he would meet them at the turning under the chestnuts, half a mile out of the village. I shall very likely leave France altogether. Whatever Laurent said or did in that wind-blown, lovely, interminable day of waiting had those words sounding through it. Surely, Though Aymar might feel, as he had said, and that he was unable to clear himself, and surely, with a consciousness of innocence to sustain him, he might try, or, at any rate, remain and mutely endure till that very endurance should speak for him. Instead of that, Loiseleur, the incarnation of courage and daring, was contemplating running away. And that, surely, could only mean one thing. The ramrod, with its attendant heroism and horror, had altered nothing. Facts were too hard to be melted in the crucible of emotion. Laurent began to see that now. And, numb with misery, he fought in the little garden plot with a spectre which yesterday, in the same place, he had thanked God was laid for ever. At last it was dusk, and they could start that Aymar's burnt arm should run no risk of contact with anything, they put him on the right hand of the one long seat. Laurent sat next to him, and Jeannot drove from the left. And very soon Madeleine and her tearful farewells and the low buildings of La Boussaine were gone. Heavy clouds were lumbering up over what had been the sunset. Aymar hardly answered anything that was said to him, and, indeed, conversation was difficult, for the idiot boy's driving was rudimentary, the farm-cart, though light, springless, and the roads which they had to take abominable, one succession of deep ruts, in and out of which they continuously rolled and jolted. About halfway it began to rain. Logon silently arranged the piece of sacking provided round his friend's shoulders, and as they sat there, with bent heads, holding the rough cape round them, it seemed to him that they were rather a sorry pair of outcasts. Yet it might have been amusing and venturous, this odyssey. And perhaps that was what Loiseleur was feeling so intensely. But if that horrible thing should be true, he had made himself the outcast. 
and more than once Laurent's thought went back to that drive in England, rather more than a year ago, when he hardly knew him, and was so elated at taking home a lion. He remembered thinking afterwards that he had been too garrulous, and that his guest, in consequence, had withdrawn himself a little. Now Loiselag was infinitely farther away than when he had been a stranger, and Laurent himself had never had less heart for converse. At last they came to the sharp turn of the road, where they were to meet Royer. But even in the gloom under the trees it was apparent that there was no one there. Aymar climbed wearily down, remarking that they were perhaps too punctual, and the idiot boy refusing to wait on events, but driving off again, the two fugitives were left stranded in the semi-darkness to await their host. The rain, however, had stopped. "'This begins not to be amusing,' remarked Aymar after a few minutes, and indeed there was no amusement in his voice. "'Oh, Dieu, how tired I am!' He had sat down on a log that lay in the long wet grass, close to a broken-down gate which had once closed the entrance to a little lane, and against this gate he now leant back. Overhead the chestnut leaves were gently dripping. "'I'll go along the road a little and see if I can meet the man,' said Laurent. In a few moments he came striding back, rather angry. Oh, Aymar, where are you? A confoundedly annoying thing has happened. I met Royer in the road, there, and he says he has changed his mind. Oh, it is too risky, he thinks, to take us into his house in the village, but he says that just along the coast to our left there is a smuggler's cave, the Panier, which we can easily reach, and which is quite habitable. He will show us the way, and he's bringing some provisions with him. He will be here himself in a minute or two. Aymar, on his log in the dusk, was silent for a couple of seconds, and then he said, oh, If this is a joke, it is a damnably bad one. Oh, it is not a joke. I am far too much annoyed to jest. But, of course, we cannot force the man to take us in. Well, I, declared Loiselard, am not going to set out at this time of night for a cave along the coast. But you cannot spend the night here by the side of the road, cried Laurent. 